The opinions of this podcast are my own and not necessarily the opinions of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Ambassador Real Estate, any realtor associations, persons, or entities. If your property is currently listed with a real estate broker, please note that it is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. All right, we're back with our most seasoned guest on Hunting Home, Dylan Dravlin. Dylan, welcome back. I want to give you a moment to uh, introduce yourself again for maybe those who don't know you, those who haven't listened to the podcast before. Who are you? Who do you work for? What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, thanks for uh, having me once again. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Dylan Dravlin. We, I'm a mortgage advisor with Neo Home Loans. Have a branch here locally over um, on Broadway and Council Bluffs. Neo actually stands for the Greek word new. So we take a little bit new approach to mortgage, and we're we're trying to really honestly change the mortgage industry. Rather than being so transactional, we really focus on educating our clients, building long-term financial success. You know, while it seems like Anyone can offer a, a rate, a closing a cost estimate worksheet, right? That tends to be the kind of the norm. We really want to focus on all areas of finance, not just the mortgage. You know, mm-hmm. set up our clients with a family office, real estate planner, financial advisor, even something as simple as, hey, what are you earning on your checking and savings account right now? Yeah. You know, so whatever it may be. So just a little bit different twist on how we do things in our line of work. Well, I'm glad you started with explaining Neo because I'm pretty sure I said Neo for a long time and then I realized that I, when you came in I just said NEO and so thank you for <laughs> that's okay. I just when I when I think about it I envision I literally envision your logo and I just see NEO so they both work they both work you know who I was talking about <laughs> yeah, so I got the point so Dylan it's been a while I actually just recorded an episode but that was the first episode I recorded in quite some time our market has changed since the last time I've had you on but even in the last three months you know, and that's kind of the interesting thing with the financial world, the real estate market in general. But, you know, what's new? What are you seeing? What's just to kind of shorten things down? What have you seen in the last three or four months? Yeah, well, I think I would start with a little bit of vulnerability. I think myself and a lot of people in, on my side of things, the finance things, we thought rates were going to be a little bit lower at this point a year ago. So kind of have to own that a little bit. Just being honest, I honestly thought we would be you know, as we started 2024, if you were asking me a year ago, we would be in the fives, if I'm being completely honest. And so, you know, a lot of a lot of things happened to, to cause that. Now, obviously, back in October, we hit roughly 8%, right? Highest we've seen in 23 years. It wasn't great. I know my business slowed down a bit. I don't know about yours. You seem to be just killing it regardless. <laughs> no, thanks. Good, good Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, after that, um, in November, we saw a nice little trend down back downwards. Now we're floating, you know. If you look at the 30-year national average, like 6.6-ish. So we've seen some recovery in terms of mortgage rates um, since our peak in October, but still I would say higher than I thought we would be. But I do believe 2024, there is some good signs pointing towards lower rates, maybe some more inventory. You know, transaction volume itself is projected to go up about 15% in 2024 compared to 2023. Yeah. Um, so I do think there are some positives ahead. And I think there's some ways to for buyers to take advantage of that before things might get a little crazier as rates come down and, and things like that. In terms of, believe it or not, like me personally, this winter was a little bit busier than I thought it would be considering, and maybe it was that kind of quick shift in rates from when we went from eight to seven, you know, in 30 mm-hmm. days. It can happen that quickly, which a lot of people don't realize. It's a little bit different. 
than uh, inventory. Inventory yeah. doesn't change in 30 days. You know, can't really yeah. build a home that quick. But things can happen quickly. Um, I think business, I think the housing market is really strong. And I think it's going to stay obviously strong throughout 2024 um, with lower rates, more buyer activity, things like that. I think, well, a couple things. You get on social media, you listen to any mortgage person, real estate agent is they're always going to be painting a picture of hope for the future one way or the other. But I wanted to say those things from a trusted advisor, a trusted person come from data. You know, it's, it's not just a, you know, you should buy now because there usually is something that's backing that, you know, to a sense and kind of off that, that note is I think that one thing that the average consumer understands a little bit better today is that sometimes buying at a little bit higher rate, knowing that there could be a potential rate drop in the future is more beneficial in the housing market because because of the refinance option and then getting back into a, a bidding war. And I don't think sure. if we would have had that time when rates you know go down to 3% and people actually saw that, that they would understand that today. And I think a lot of the same consumers are the ones that maybe waited when rates were at 3% and then they now they're like, well, we should have done something then. Yep. Now they see rates go down to six and a half from eight and they say, you know what? Let's just do this now. We can afford this monthly payment. And then, you know, are we going to see the 3%? Probably not. Right. But right. if we see five and a half, we're going to be in a better position than if we wait another two or three years to buy a house. So, I mean, I've had people personally that I worked with then and they waited and, you know, I haven't, I'm glad to say I haven't had anybody that has told me anyway that I, I wouldn't let anyone go crazy on a house as far as like writing an offer. Right. Um, you know, I'd always try to like say, Hey, you know, are you sure that's what you want to do? But, you know, I, I've had people on both sides, people that waited, people that paid more and they, and they've seen their equity increase, you know? And so... It's just interesting. It's 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 interesting to see where we were at a couple of years ago to, to where we are today and just people's mindset. 100%. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important for us. Obviously, on our side, yes, you hear realtors, oh, it's a great time to buy. And I think we need to be a little, you know, put ourselves on the buyer side of the equation a little bit more. I'm starting to realize that I'm trying to do more of that in my business yeah. is, hey, you know, we're shoving the, you know, a, a year ago, date the rate, marry the house, oh, right? Yeah. You know, and we're kind of shoving that down people's throats. And it kind of sounds bad. You're like, wow, what's this guy talking about? You're kind of like bashing on yourself. And I'm like, you know, we kind of, we, we preach that. Obviously, you know, we have access to some information that others don't, mm -hmm. right? And I, I'll always say, hey, you know, wealthy people aren't wealthy because they have money. They're wealthy because they have access to information and professionals that others don't, right? They have a team of pros that take care of everything for them. And mm -hmm. they're wealthy, right? So. I think it's really important, though, to kind of just put ourselves on the side of the, you know, sit on the same table as our potential clients, the families that we serve, right? And I'll always say realist, you know, real estate is going to be a long-term game. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. And not every, you know, today is not going to be the perfect time to buy for everyone, right? Yeah. There's a lot of blanket advice, but I think everyone's situation is different. If you're going to be moving in a year, does it make sense to buy today? No, you know what? Buy a house and then move in a year yeah. out of town. You know what if the market does fluctuate a little bit? You know, yeah. You get, there's realtor fees and things associated with that. How's your job security? There are things that you know every day 
all of us are worried about, you know, especially in this economy. I mean, the, we've seen what's happened to the labor market. Yeah. Um, it's not super strong right now. So there are reasons to not get in, right? And, and I think we need to empath, you know, be empathetic towards that and understand what our families are going through. But at the same time, like you said, showing the information, you know, showing the data that we have access to of, hey, if it makes sense, if you can stomach this payment today with today's rates, long term, are you going to be better off by owning real estate or not? Yeah. Right. And then if it's not today, let's game plan for the future. Yeah. Right. How, how can we, you know, score my credit scores out there? What can we do today to improve that? I don't have enough funds. Can we get down payment assistance program? Whatever it may be. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think game planning and having those conversations like well before you're even honestly looking to buy are going to put, put you in a much better position um, than if you don't. Yeah. It's, it's challenging as a real estate agent, as a realtor, and I'm sure you feel the same way as like, you know, you make a post on social media and when you're the person thinking about it every day and dealing with it every day, yep. you take a lot of things for granted and yep. it's hard to sometimes back out of that and think about how is my client looking at this? And that's obviously if you can figure out how to do that and do it well, you will do well, but I think so many real estate agents and lenders and, and anybody in the industry, you almost get lost in thinking that everyone is looking for a house all the time, you know? And it's like some people, they're content. They don't, and that kind of goes with even the people that I talk to that are thinking about making a move that are serious. They're talking about their primary home. They don't have any other investments in real estate, but they're treating that primary home as strictly an invest it's like an investment only and i'm like you have to think you know if you're looking at making a financial monetary investment in a rental property that is different than if you're looking at buying a home that you're going to live in for 25 years and your kids are going to live there and your family and location and all those things and so sometimes you have to like i have some people that are just they're so focused on the on like making a good investment exactly that they lose a little bit of the other side, which you'd almost think it'd be the other way around. You would, right? You know, investment, you think investor, they're looking at number crunching yeah. and things like yeah. that. And then you think the person that's looking for their primary residence is like, I love it. I don't care what it, I mean, obviously we care what it costs, but I want it. Uh-huh. Um, you have, those are few. And, it's honestly for me in any way, those are few and far between. Cause I think the average consumer is really, really, thinking about the affordability and the interest rate and making a good investment and the equity that they're going to build. And they're just, the average consumer today is more savvy than probably five years ago. Without a doubt. And and I think that's okay, you know, in a certain sense, but if you're going to be that analytical, then let's also take a look at the long-term benefits and maybe not, you know, the, my biggest thing that I get with first-time home buyers is, they'll have a whole checklist and this first home has to hit every single box. I was going to, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, I, I I made a video of the perfect house and I, I've seen some people go years renting and and, I mean, they could qualify and and I'm not talking like just pushing race, like they're, they can comfortably qualify for a home, but they're like, Oh, we just can't find it. And you know, you know how inventory is right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, when I and even after taking them through kind of our process and showing the numbers of cost of waiting and here's the equity you would have lost out on, you know, as the not only as the home appreciates but amortization as you pay your loan balance down, you're building equity 
two different ways with your primary, and there's actually five when it comes to investment property. Yeah. Through depreciation, rent increase, things like that. So, you know, that that is one thing. If they're going to be that analytical, let's be also be analytical for the long-term finance and how you're going to build wealth. If you're so focused on your rate, payment, cash to close, going to itemize every dollar on the yeah. cost worksheet, then let's do this. Let's be fair and do the same with, hey, how much equity is this house going to build me in the next five, 10 years? What will this do for me as I try and plan for retirement or my kid's college? Am I going to build equity that I can tap into or just simple things like that? Even if it's simple as, hey, through the mortgage transaction, we'll set you up with a financial advisor. Um, we yeah. that together. So, but I, I agree with you. Um, mm -hmm. It has gotten way more so recently. Yeah. Just as people do have access to more, you know, you have social media. Um, you have all the, you know, TikTok, you see all these numbers games that, that all the numbers that they put out there. So uh, it's a very valid point. Yeah. Um, They're following Dylan Drive Home Loans on Instagram. <laughs> They're watching all his videos. Uh, that, you know, that point of like not finding the perfect house. It's interesting because you, I think for the people that maybe, maybe they bought three years ago, three or four years ago, and they didn't, they just bought, you know, they maybe didn't, it's their first house. And then now they're to a place now, maybe they've had a, a, a new child, whatever, they're ready to upgrade. And then you're, you know, what my, what I've had a lot of clients run into is they're like, how, how did that person, you know, where do these people come up with this money mm -hmm. to be able to buy at that, you know, at 20% down or whatever it is to be able to afford that house? That I said, house. well, they bought a house, they built $50,000 in equity over the course of, I mean, truly, over maybe three years. Oh, easy. On, on a oh, lot so of homes, easy. and I'm and I'm not talking half million dollar homes. I'm talking your two hundred, two fifties. Yep. And so all of a sudden, they have all this equity that they can use. That not only were they paying down, but they just gained over the market, and so it allows them to pay more for another house. And that just that's another factor I think that maybe doesn't get talked about as much in the market and like the prices is that you have so many people coming out of a sale with all this equity that they can use on their next purchase or maybe even paying some of their other debts down, which we'll get to. Yes, 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 yes. Well, and, and real quick, Blake, yeah. I'm sorry, do you have one more thing to add? No, no. So to that point, you know, again, starting with the first home and a narrative shift I think that I could work on by myself is instead of just – constantly talking about dream homes, right? You hear realtors say lenders as well. Let me it's help a you, lot more fun. Let me help you find your dream home. Yeah. Well, you're, you're setting a pretty high expectation, yeah. right? And then they're going to keep searching and searching and searching. But to your point, let's help you get to your dream home. Yeah. Let's get into that first one. That's going to be the first step to get into the dream home, right? Yeah. That is where it, it needs that first home. And it can be temporary. You know, like you said, three years, we, had a transaction recently where we saw some nice yeah. equity that and and that gives you options not only to upgrade you know use that equity to you know move up and home but pay off other debts um invest whatever it may be throw it throw in a retirement Roth IRA, whatever you want to do it gives you a lot more flexibility whereas you know your your typical first-time homebuyer they're kind of just funneled into a corner on hey this is pretty much all you can afford you know yeah. like we're kind of maxing out your ratios. We're kind of using up all the money that's in your checking and savings. You know, whereas someone that is leveraging that home that they bought three years ago, even if it wasn't the perfect home, ask them how they feel today that they bought. Or just go ahead and ask anyone if, if they wish they would have uh, 
held on to the first one they ever bought and how much yeah. equity yeah. they'd be sitting on at that point, you know? So yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that, a lot of ad- advantages, obviously, um, that we see on our end, so. Yeah. One thing, you know, I always, you do a really good job of painting this picture and, and, I, and you had a recent post about it and it just made me think about it is, if you're buying in Council Bluffs, Iowa, you should look at the Council Bluffs, Iowa market. Yes. If you're buying in Orange County, California, you should look at the Orange County market yeah. and what's going on there. <laughs> Might be a little different than Council yeah. Bluffs. You know, um, and so one thing I think people look at big headlines, that's what they see. That's the most readily available information sometimes. And they reflect that back on their local market, and that's not always the truth. You know, what would you tell somebody that's, who should they talk to? If they're looking at buying a council of Iowa, you know, obviously they need to find somebody local and get that local information. And I think a lot of people don't know where to start. And kind of with that headline of the local versus national level is the benefit of working with someone local that understands the local market for a lot of reasons. They understand it. Number one, when you write the contract, there's a local name that probably the other realtor recognizes you and you can get real information real feedback you know one thing that i really value with you and your team is that is that overall big picture and actually having a a discussion because i think so many people just think i'm going to go to my bank i'm going to tell them i want to buy a house and they're going to i'm going to send them a little bit of my information and they're going to give me a rate and they're going to tell me this is my down payment this is what i can afford and that's what it is you know i'm always like did you look around did you t- talk to anybody else because i think a lot of people do also assume that this is where i bank this is where i have to get my mortgage yeah yeah a lot of people think that yeah so can you expand on what would be a benefit of working with someone that's going to look at the big picture compared to just maybe getting a rate yeah well, well, first of all, you said, who do I go to? I'm going to say Blake Hunter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Home services. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, that that is, unfortunately, there's a pretty low standard, you know, on our side of the things, on the finance side of things. Pretty much if you have competitive rates, you pick up your phone and you close on time, you're a good lender. Yeah. And that's just kind of how our business is. And, and those are great attributes. Like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And, and that is awesome. Like, I'm not going to knock that at all. But I think, you know, through some of the things I've been exposed to through, through my business, it's, you know, we need to set the bar higher. We need to not just do a transaction, you know, or what we call a McDonald's order taker. Someone that comes in might think they know what's best for them. Hey, I want a 15 year. I'm going to put all the equity from my previous home into it. And I want your lowest payment, lowest rate. Sure. I can do that. Yeah. But did I explore other options? Did I show you option a, that you suggested which if at the end of the day if that's what you want to go with it's it's your loan right mm-hmm. i will do whatever you want to do you can do it yeah but i'm going to also give you other options to show hey maybe this you should look at this because and if i can show the numbers through the things that we have access to you know what if i can increase your net worth three hundred thousand dollars more than if you did that route mm-hmm. what does that do for your child what does that do for your retirement planning right so taking that advisory role presenting options because, yeah, like you said, it, it is really easy to just go to your bank and say, hey, let me see your cost worksheet. Yeah. And sh- that's how that's how people shop lenders is they'll just shop cost worksheet, cost worksheet, cost <clears> worksheet. <throat> yeah. Like, I'm going with them. Yeah. So, it, you know, we, we have to just. Who has it? How can I get the cheapest payment? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I've had some people in the past and it's hard as an agent. Sometimes you can try to explain things, but 
sometimes it's I can only get so involved with those decisions and I don't sure. and I want that person to make that decision. For sure. But sometimes, you know, if it's somebody that's that really does not understand all the moving parts, is they may say, Well, I'm getting a lower rate and I'm getting a lower payment. It's not much. But they don't realize that they're paying more up front for it or you know, or the other way around. I'm not I don't have to put as much down, but my payment's gonna be this much and if I plan to live here this long this is going to be my payment and this is the amount of money I'm going to pay over the course of that time. Just, right. it is, it's looking at the big picture, looking at, yeah, and it kind of goes against everything that I was saying earlier about not looking at it as just an investment. Right. But I think there's a fine line between like making a good decision and then like finding the house that suits your needs and that's what's going to make you happy. Right. You know? And you can do both there. I mean, yeah. right, you can, you can find the house that makes you happy, but let's, let's then take that house and structure it the way we need to structure it. Yeah. Right. So we can do both. You can accomplish yeah. both. No problem. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I do think it's really important to work with whoever you're working with, but make sure that you're getting some solid, good advice and being presented options. Yeah. Um, and also being educated, getting the data that you need to make informed decisions. Maybe not necessarily some things that you might've heard from grandma or grandpa that was buying a house, oh, yeah. you know, 40 years ago, whatever it may yeah. be, you know, th things have changed, right? I'm, if someone, if one more person tells me, <laughs> you know what, when we bought our first house, our interest rate was 18%, then that's where the conversation stops. There's <laughs> yeah. no, there's no other conversation, yeah. but it's like, I've heard that a few times, you know, um, or my house payment was $200 a month and it just it can you can go on and on and on. We're not there. We're not. There. It's just we're not. not there. We're not there. So. Unfortunately, there's not a, a fifteen thousand dollar houses for sale yeah. right now. That's true. <laughs> With that eighteen percent rate. That's true. <laughs> so Dylan, maybe you have one, maybe you don't. But do you have a headline or like something that you've seen lately that you just think is like bonkers that you you want to bust? Yeah, I mean, do I you have a, a few? Loaded cannon here. Oh, here we I'll go. I'll give you one just because it's like top of mind. Just read this morning, right? So I. Big on, I'm on Twitter, I guess it's X now. And, you know, I like reading some, I follow some of the more data analytical accounts. One this morning, I forget who it was quoted from, but it said renting a three bedroom home is X amount less expensive than owning a three bedroom home. And I was like, okay, that's probably valid. I, I would actually probably on agree a monthly with that. payment. On a monthly payment, right? So we're talking strictly monthly cash flow. Yep. But you, we have to realize that's what our consumers are reading every day. And that's yeah. why you hear nothing but why would I ever buy a house, doom and gloom, forever. And while sure, in terms of a monthly cash flow perspective, that could be true. Now, again, that's where I would say, let's look locally. Where are, we, where are they getting those numbers from? Things like that. Let's look where you're buying locally, mm -hmm. right? We don't care about national appreciation rates. Yeah. We're not buying a piece of a home in California, a piece of a home in Texas, right? We're buying one house here yeah. locally. So let's first speak with Blake Hunter. And, and get some local numbers <laughs> and then how much is a three bedroom? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but you know, and then again, long-term, what are you getting on your turn for renting? Are you setting yourself up for success down the road by saving X amount of dollars renting today versus buying your home? Yeah. So it comes down. I mean, it's, it's a, a numbers game there, but those, but that simple one headline, that's what consumers read all day, every day. And they leave it at that. And if you're already renting, it just justifies renting what you're doing. Yeah. And, right. and not, and I, and I don't want to paint that, that I never said date the rate, marry the house. Yeah. I get that a hundred percent. I just didn't ever want to really say that I can definitely paint the picture of, Hey, you know, there will probably be opportunity for you to refinance. Right. 
it's the same thing with renting and the one headline or the one saying I always say is, you know, if you're renting, you're paying a hundred percent interest. So stop worrying about the interest rate. That is true in a sense, but is that really a hundred percent true? I mean, it depends on how you look at it. And like some people are in a situation where it's not like we can just wake up tomorrow and say, yeah, I need to buy a house. You know, something mm-hmm. renting is the option and mm-hmm. it is the best option for you in this situation because you, you're not in a position to buy. And that's okay. And it's okay. That's okay. Yes. It's a hundred percent. Okay. But if you're looking at the long term and you're trying to build wealth, like you've talked about, mm-hmm. and do you want to own your own home and have property rights and, and have all those things, then that's the, that's what it comes with, with the monthly payments, with the hundred percent interest, you know, I think a huge part of our consumer market is is thinking month to month. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, what's my car payment? You know, what's my mortgage payment? What's my rent? It is strictly a month to month thing. Yeah. And so when you get those headlines, people are like, yeah, well, if it's if it's two hundred dollars cheaper validated. a month to do this, I'm saving money. I'm validated. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's that's a thing. I mean, it's something that we have to address. And that that's why I'm, I'm always going to say, hey, I don't really care if you choose to buy or sell, believe it or not. Well, until you get paid. I know it is. But if I can provide you the data and education necessary for you to make a decision, and if that decision means you rent, I, I've done my job. I have provided everything I need to provide to you. You have advised. I have advised, right? Yeah. If I don't get paid, so what? You know, down the road, maybe you'll... Those things come me. around. Those yeah. comes full circle. Maybe you know someone. You know, yeah. I, I don't, that doesn't bother me. You know, another, uh, I'll give you one more headline. Fanny, or I forget who it was, just released their survey for 2024, kind of expectations of the market. And while they're better than 2023, I think it's, don't quote me on the exact number, 83% still think it's a bad time to buy a house. Consumers? Consumers, yeah. 83% of consumers. And, you know, I just thought, you know, based on probably the doom and gloom for your sales media, it sounds about right. But we've also, let's look at 2023. We had more people think that it was, it was like 80, might've been in the nineties. Don't quote me. I'm coming up with numbers here, but it was much higher than the 83%, right? Mm -hmm. That thought in 2023, we're going to see a housing market based off of Zillow, Black Knight, Case Shiller, kind of the gold standards of home appreciation values across the country. We're going to average roughly, we haven't gotten all the reports yet, 6.3% appreciation in 2023. That's with 23-year high 8% interest rates. Mm -hmm. That was shocking to me. I didn't see that either. I thought rates would come down and give us that number. I was surprised to see homes appreciate at that level. That shows the lack of inventory there is and the demand that we have for housing in our country. Yeah. Right? So... For those people that don't think it's a good time to buy, I would ask, you know, number one, let's let's ask questions. Like, mm-hmm. what what is the reason you don't think it's a good time to buy? Is it, well, it's unaffordable. Okay. So let's say rates come down. What does that do to prices, though? And just ask them what yeah. they think. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, I think that's how we can better serve everyone is by asking questions we need to ask. Yeah. And then addressing what we have to offer to their specific situation. Yeah. Right? So why why does 83% or whatever it is think this year is going to be a bad time to buy a house i mean i would my opinion is just that there's they're like well interest rate is x and it's twice as high as it was not very long ago and so that alone 
is leading a lot of people to say it's a bad time to buy because I think a lot of people will think that we're going to some at some point get back to that place yeah. and that they'll still be able to buy that same house for the same amount of money yep. at that lower rate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what I've kind of been telling people when people have asked and, and what I believe is that, and I, I don't remember who I heard this from, but that we're kind of in this rubber band effect where the rubber band's already kind of tight because of supply and because of all the factors that we've talked about, you know, with people sitting on homes with low rates, they're emotionally tied to them. Yep. They don't want to move. The affordability is a real thing. Very real. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Bottom line. The looking back a little bit longer, just looking at the new construction, the shortage of new homes being built, and all these things kind of creating this perfect storm to where we don't have the supply. And then our demand is still there. And so the rubber band's already kind of tight. And if we're in the same position where this rubber band and the rates start to go down, it's going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And then at some point, the rubber band's going to go. And people are going to be like, we're buying, we're buying. And the rates are lower. And now you're back in that same position where you're like, hey, I can't, I'm literally doing everything I can. And I can't even spend my own money because I can't get a house. I can't buy it. And that feeling is very frustrating because you're like, here I am. I'm ready to spend money. And I'm, I'm going X amount over asking price. I'm not asking for anything. And I still can't get a house bought. Yeah. And then what do you do at that point? And then... Ultimately, you end up paying so much over asking price. You don't get an inspection. You have no negotiating room. Yep. And then, yeah, you got maybe got the lower rate, but it's really, you run into, I'm not going to say, the other thing that I hate seeing is somehow running the numbers so that you are like, you know, they say, well, this house um, with a 7% rate is going to sell for 400000 But if rates go down to 4.5%, they're going to, it's going to sell for, 600,000, like we're not seeing $200,000 swings, but you might see a 25 or $30,000 swing for sure over the course of a year. For sure. I mean, you just said it six and a half percent appreciation. Um, and then it's that much longer you're sitting on the fence. You're, yeah. You're paying rent. You're, you're yeah. doing all those things. Well, and, and it's interesting, you know, cause we can run numbers and, and some of the case studies that I've ran where it might actually save you some money, obviously to wait a year for rates to come down because prices you wouldn't expect to jump that much. Yeah. Right. So, but if you look at what if you were to buy today at today's price and then refinance when rates go to what it is, right? So you've built up some equity already. You've paid down your loan a little bit. And then when you run the numbers that way, you're in a much better position. Good point. Yeah. Two years down the road. So I do a lot of that. And it's just, again, not, you know, hey, you make the decision at the end of the day. Yeah. If you're like, hey, we're not in a position right now, that's fine. Yeah. This is what it's going to be. But, but to your point, a lot of recency bias in our world Yeah. because of COVID. Recency bias hurt us a lot, with, especially with what's going on right now. 3% rates. Also not as recent, but the housing market crash, the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. So to that, I say let's zoom out a little bit. Here's what happened then. Yeah. Here's what's happening today. Let's look at the last 80 years. Yeah. The housing market is 70 three and seven. Sometimes we're, a, we're a little short sighted. That's a pretty good record, you know, on, on an investment. I yeah. would say, you know, I don't know what the S and P S and P 500s record is. If it's even been around for 80 years, I don't know <laughs> to be honest, but like, what is its win loss record right yeah. now? It might have some, you know, higher peaks and valleys, but you know, 73 and seven 
I think I, I would feel pretty comfortable putting some money into the housing market, purchasing a home. Mm-hmm. You know, and not that's just putting money into, you're, you're buying a home for you and your family, your kiddos. You're building a legacy. There, there's a lot more to it. Um, you get the emotions, you know, yeah. the emotional side of things too. But yeah, I, I think a lot of recency bias. Uh, COVID didn't help anyone, yeah. uh, you know, in, in our world. So Yeah. Just to kind of wrap up our conversation, we had a recent example that I think ties a Basically everything we've talked about yeah, into a yeah. transaction from owning one home for a fairly short amount of time, building a lot of equity, being able to take that equity and not maybe use all of it towards a down payment and structuring the loan differently because of the conversations had to make the best choice. Yeah. So I'll let you. Yeah. I mean, that. this was, I mean, you talk about a feel good story. This is kind of why I do what I do. Like if I can go home at night after the feeling of that closing every night, I'm like, I'm, I'm a life yeah. savior. I'm yeah. not here to save a lot. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not that point, it, it is funny though. I mean, when things work out where, and if it does make a difference when the people are just so they're aware too, you know, they're very, very thankful very for so. it. They, they appreciated the time. Great family. And then they find, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but, and I don't really want to say like the dream home, but when they're really finding a home, that's a really good fit for them and the location that they wanted, mm-hmm. their sale works, their mm-hmm. buy works, their loan works, and it all closes. It's like, that was a good, it was cool. Cause a, a lot of times there's so many moving parts in a transaction that it's hard to have a positive check mark by every single item in the transaction. Yep. And I truly felt like that one went as smooth as it Kind of. Yeah, yeah, the sense of fulfillment, and you did great. I mean, you were awesome Thank maneuvering, you. you know, both sides of the transaction, and a lot of moving parts, right? You're dealing with your side of things yeah. on both sides, right? Buy yeah. and sell. Yeah, that, also- and that kind of made it, you know, on the real estate side, a little more unique for me because I'm dealing with their sale, and then dealing with their purchase, which was also my listing. So I was representing. I had dual agency on yeah. that on that. So representing the seller of that home with them being the buyer, with them selling their house. There's a lot of moving parts. Well and and kind of tee up here a little bit. Wasn't that house a for sale by owner? And you came in and did some work. You want to touch on that just really well, quick. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up. Thought, yeah. That was like I honestly wanted that to work more for the story to be told than anything because it, man. This was that awesome. house started out with like your regular for sale by owner. Yep. At a little bit higher price. Then sat on the market, sat on the market. Weirdly enough, this is also a weird part of the story, is I sold the house next to it and the house on the other side of that. So three houses on a cul-de-sac that are pretty much the same house, ranch, all the same price point in a small town. I mean, doesn't get any more. You don't find better comps than that. No, no. So that's how I got my foot in the door. But this house was for sale by owner, sat there, sat there, no action. Then went to, you know, for, I guess, lack of better terms or, you know, what I hear is a discount broker mm-hmm. where they're a person's paying a flat fee. And basically what they're getting is they're paying a flat fee to be on the multiple listing service. They're not getting a real estate agent. They're not getting any negotiating. They're not nothing. You're responsible for everything, but you're going to pay a flat fee to be on the MLS and you're still going to pay a buyer's agent commission. Right. I believe that is the setup. So... Nothing. Still sat there. Ended up being at this the price that I ended up listing it at. Was still for was with this broker, discount broker, on the MLS, still no action. But no professional photography, no sign in the yard, no advertising, no open houses, nothing. And then when people are calling, 
they're they're talking to the owner, and I think that that puts up a big wall, even with Without other doubt. agents. Without a doubt, you know. So anyway, finally got my foot in the door, got it listed at the same price that it was listed mm-hmm. at previously. Got the professional photos, got the sign in the yard. I mean, it looked like a different house, and you know, in today's world, I saw the photos. Yeah, in today's photos. world, your first showing is one hundred percent online. There's no negotiation of that. Very, very few people, probably only investors, are going to look at a home that they have not already looked at online. Fair. So if it doesn't look good on you're looking at it on your computer, why would I go look at it? So anyway, one day on the market, under contract. And I hate saying that because I don't want to make it sound like, it's gonna be like that that's all we do. Yeah. That's how it happens. Yeah. But that story was just, it had so Cold many, run. so many talking points, Cold you know, run. in it. Not only this couple called me directly, um, knew I had the listing, then turned into their, you know, their sale. Listing there. Also helped that they had a good house to sell yep. and they had built equity. And that went how quick? Their house for sale? That was multiple offers <laughs> in 24 hours, 48 hours, you know, a couple of days on the market. Yeah. It got over asking price, very yeah. clean offer. Another talking point is working with a local agent because what helped on that deal too was that your office had the buyer on that house and you know you were representing yeah. the buyer. So there was so many moving parts that built confidence in that sale and helped the buyers in their purchase. I mean, you could go on and on. It was oh just gosh. crazy. That yeah. was like the transaction that you talk about. Well, and I think that's huge when it comes to when you think of a team aspect, when you have realtor myself as lender, another lender in my office, even handling the buy of their sale, you know, so it's all connected and we all know each other, trust each other. Yeah. So just that, that sense of security for a consumer, I, you can't put a price tag on that. If I'm being honest like that, especially, I mean, these are some of the most stressful things that you can do, especially going from selling a house and buying at the same time, closing. I mean that put yourself in their shoes. That's a very stressful time. But when you have a team, a realtor, lender, we'll throw in title company, yeah. right? All working together. Boy, it, that helps you sleep a little bit better at night. It does. And another talking point with them was the stress level of selling and buying. And one thing that happens so many times is a lot of people don't have an option or they don't realize they have the option to not close both homes on the same day, yep. back to back. Yep. And then you're like, well, I got to be out of this house. How am I going to be out of this house and into the other one and go sign paperwork and all this stuff? I'm going to have to have stuff sitting on a truck. And so they were able to close a week earlier. They were in a position that they could, but you explained that to them. And so they were able to close earlier, have a week in between two houses. We felt confident. We had declared a close. I mean, things just fell into place. There is risk. Always. There is risk. Always. Always. But it was calculated risk. And it just worked out so quickly can you tell us their situation what did they do that made sense for them as far as and you don't have to talk numbers but just like roughly what did they do that made sense that's probably different than your standard transaction yeah so you know it would have been easy if we just stuck with hey we're gonna wait to sell, to sell your house transfer all the equity over get you the lowest rate the lowest payment yeah take all the funds over great so then we were going back and forth and, and this was even before we had talked about, hey, let's maybe move that closing date up. So we've yeah. gone back and forth, and you know, we we show options right up front. Like, hey, here's option one. We'll throw in all the equity. You know, option one is usually kind of what they, I, by asking questions, what they kind of think is yeah, it's right the for them. it's the generic right, yeah. yeah. Option two, 
let's look at maybe throwing less down, paying off some debts. Option three, let's be even more aggressive with that. Maybe more aggressive on the investment side of mm -hmm. things, right? So we're going back and forth between five and 10% down. And I won't throw an exact dollar amount on it, but by putting less money down, 5%, and paying off other debts, they were saving hundreds of dollars more in terms of a household payment. Yeah. We're talking including auto, credit cards, homes, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. So by taking a, and it was very marred, the rate was almost identical. You could say like, just like a quarter of a point off. It's maybe the same number, but there's points with rates. Yeah. So the rate was very marginally higher, but obviously their down payment and their payment for the mortgage specifically was going to be higher. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the mortgage transaction, it wasn't as pretty. Yeah. If we focused only on the mortgage, right? But we took that the next step and said, well, let's look at your other debts. Oh my gosh, we could have our car phone free and clear. We could pay off credit cards. We could have more money. Let's go one step further. We have even now we have money we can throw into an investment vehicle. Let's just, you know, using some of the technology stuff that we have, let's just say let's be conservative and throw that into a seven percent annual rate of return. Let's look at that number in ten years. What's your net worth? Let's look at twenty years. What's your net worth? You have another kiddo on the way. What does that do? Yeah. Tie the numbers to the emotional side. I mean that's that's a home run. Yeah. So was able to connect them, you know, we stuck with the 5% down, saving them hundreds of dollars by paying off other debts. Not only doing that, but then connecting them to a financial advisor. Um, actually just got a text from that financial advisor who gave me some really, a very cool update just on their, you know, what's going on yeah. and, and finances for them. And just, I mean, knock it out of the park. And having access, you know, surrounding myself with people that think like that, working with you on the real estate side. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you doesn't get any better than that. Well, and, and kind of the next piece to that is the way that their transaction was, they actually got some closing costs in their yeah, transaction. Yeah. And knowing, first of all, I have to know how to write that in because it has to be written in the, contract. in the contract a certain way for them to be able to use that closing cost the way that they did for their loan. And so kind of weird people with, People would not, you know, the everyday person probably wouldn't understand this, but they ended up paying a little over asking price to get the money back in, in a closing cost form, which was better for them overall Financially, yeah. than just looking at, well, I got the house this much cheaper, you know, than saying, we're going to offer you $10,000 less, for example, than, you know, and so the seller was okay because it doesn't matter to, to that person. They're going to net the same amount of money. Exactly. Yep. But that that money was used better for the buyer in that situation than than it was just off of the purchase price. Yeah. Um, and so that was another factor that. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot we did a buy yeah. down on that, didn't we? Man, <laughs> yeah. that was. I, so there's you know, another talking. So point. like said on the you know long term wealth, but that's another another huge part of it, right? So a lot of people nowadays, you know, they'll see a house in the market for a while and they go, "We're going to offer 50k below. We're going to we're going to get crazy good savings." Yeah. You'll get some savings, but what if you just offered for list and ask for 15k a little more appeasing to the seller and we put that towards your rate instead of the payment or instead of the cash to close now mm -hmm. some people need the funds to close right? yeah so this is this again yeah. specific advice for each specific person and and the buy down has to be be under the belief that you will either be able to refinance or that 
the rates have to be going in a certain direction. Like it doesn't always make sense to do that. And so that's why you have to be, everyone has to be on the same page and you have to yeah. be forecasting a little bit to say, look, we, we think we're going to save, save money year one and two. And hopefully at some point in those couple of years, we can refinance down to a lower rate. And the great thing with that buy down is that extra money goes towards the principal. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. That two one buy down specifically. Yeah, yeah. That, that was what we used. Right. And you know, you could also just say, Hey, maybe we just want to, permanent buy down. Yeah. You, you can do that. Now you don't get as much bang for your buck, right? But for some people, maybe they feel a little bit more comfortable just knowing, yeah. hey, now I'm permanently here. I don't have to worry about rates. Now, if I can show them historically what's happens with recession and rates and things like that, they might believe kind of why, like there's a reason why I think rates, I'm not just yeah. going to sit here and be like, rates are coming down. We're doing two, one, this buy is down. what we should do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there is, you know, data to support what, what I'm, what I yes. believe in. And I do believe that to my core. Um, you know, so yeah, doing that buy down and, you know, back to kind of what I was trying to get at a lot of home buyers, they think offering the lowest purchase price is the most savings, but think of it from a seller's standpoint, is a seller going to be more likely to accept your offer if you're going to offer 40 K below list or ask for 10 K in seller concession for your rate? Well, the seller is going to save $30,000 and you can save hundreds more on your payment. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It takes everybody to be on the same page. Right, it takes everybody right. to be able to explain that to all parties involved. You know, it takes an agent on the other side. You know, in this situation, I was on both sides. Yeah, so nice. it was easy for me to say, okay, this is what they want to do. And I was able to explain to the seller, this is why they're doing it. And I think if you can explain it, just everyday person might say, well, why are they paying more and asking for some back? And I'm like, well, they're doing that so that you net the same amount of money because they, they want this to work. But they also need this money. It'd be better for them to take this money and put it over here than it is over here. Yeah. And so just structuring the, the purchase to benefit everybody yeah. is part of the having a successful deal. And that was a perfect example. Yeah. And, and you know, we're making this sound like life is easy, right? Not oh, everything. That... I mean, you and I sit down and talk and we have our horror stories, right? And oh, we, yeah. We have fun with that. Yeah. But that it is fun when you have those that happen. And it is nice to hear that there are transactions out there like that. Now we could also talk for hours on fire. Oh, well, and that's right? the thing is there, but there is so many moving parts. That so many, even if everyone's doing their job and doing it well, mm -hmm. sometimes things that happen out of people's control and they don't always work like that. And that's yeah. back to something we were talking about earlier is, is kind of the money thing is those deals are not over till they're over till the check is in somebody's hand until you, you, you know, the possessions there and, and it's, titles transferred i mean so anything can go wrong and you got to make sure i think it was back to that confidence like knowing the people involved trusting the people involved is you know you might have an offer that's maybe a few thousand dollars higher and you might think well this is probably better but i don't know anybody involved in that transaction i don't i've met the lender i've never heard of you know there's some uncertainty as those things are not certain until they're certain yeah. So yeah. Always, I always tell my clients that, you know, always remember that. So yeah, yeah, definitely stay realistic, right? Like yeah. we, we, it's, it's a, it's a challenge, but it is nice when those, when all the pieces of the puzzle come yeah. together like that, really a feel good story and, and kudos to that family and, you know, your sellers and, and everyone involved. Oh, that was, that was cool. That was fun. That was cool. Let's try to yeah. do like four or five of those this year. I would love it. Would love it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Dylan. I appreciate you coming back in. Blake, thanks man.